Welcome back to the Steph Gordon Show. I am so excited to be here today with a beautiful friend, an incredible colleague, and also a total hashtag girl boss, Alicia Chapman. Hello, my love. Hello. What an intro, Steph. Oh my gosh. Oh, I've got more to say. Hold on. <laughs> um, you, the reason I've got Alicia on here, guys, if, if you're in the PMP Mastermind, you'll know Alicia. She's a coach within our program, um, specializes in hyper growth. And the reason that she specializes in, or we call her an expert in hyper growth, because she's worked for huge nationwide companies like Sidekicker and U Foods, helping them to scale from startup to nationwide businesses. She has a Harvard Business School grad. She's got a degree in HR and marketing and runs a fully booked podcast management company, the TBC Studios, which is the company that does my podcast management. So we're so glad to have you here. Thank you so much. And yeah, weird being on the other side of the mic for a change. This is fun and I'll get to edit it as well. What a treat. We were just joking about that off air. <laughs> Alicia gets, she's like, anytime I say, um, I actually get to cut it out this time, which is epic. <laughs> I love this so much. All the control guys. Um, so for anyone who hasn't found you in their world yet, and I'm surprised because everybody is loving on Alicia Chapman right now. Who is Alicia Chapman and what does a day in your life look like? I think you've done a pretty good job summarizing it in my intro, but I feel like I have always been someone who, who loves business, like loves business so much that anytime I've ever worked for someone, I always treat a business 100% like it's my own and give it my all and work ridiculous hours, which I did for years and years and years. And after my time in the startup world, I moved to the corporate world, which... It's very boring, which most of you will know. Um, I loved it. It was great. I built the most incredible team across the world. We were doing phenomenal things. And then just after COVID, I kind of went, Oh God, like, what am I, what am I actually doing with my life? And it was after a podcast episode that I recorded with Steph. And I think speaking to her, I was like, Oh God, there is this person who just loves what she does so much, is so lit up by what she does every single day. I think I'm ready to have some of that for myself. So yeah, I went out and started my business last year. Uh, we were kind of doing it on the side. But yeah, it's grown extraordinarily quickly, which is exciting and terrifying at the same time. And we produce podcasts like this one that you're listening to right now. We produce a couple of others, Tapping Into Crypto. And there are quite a few in the pipeline, which is very exciting. So exciting. Alicia just taking her own business into hyper growth straight away. <laughs> I don't know anything else. <laughs> yeah, she's like, uh, we go in, we scale fast and we become nationwide in a month. Like that's what we're going to do this time around. <laughs> exactly. Why not? Having Alicia on our team has been so pivotal for my business personally um, because Alicia's always just there going, cool, well, how can we make it bigger and how do we make it more scalable and how do we make it so it's hands-off and always thinking that really big picture, those really big picture thoughts, which is why we love having in the mastermind too, because you help all of our clients see that really big picture, you know, because sometimes as small business owners, we do tend to get a little bit sucked into the detail and a bit into the now and not really focusing on, okay, what could this look like in five years time? And how do we collapse time so that that's actually a lot sooner than five years? What did you do to make your first dollar as an entrepreneur? Oh, great question. It's actually very funny. So I think I've always had this niggle that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, like always. And my auntie runs a phenomenal business. She built the business Freckleberry, which some of you may have heard of. She was on Shark Tank, just did the most incredible things in a, in a very short amount of time as well. And I was always inspired by her. And she sat me down one day. She was looking at kind of the industry as a whole and saw that those lolly buffets at weddings were becoming a big thing and no one was doing it properly. And so she's like, Hey, 
I think you should start a business. This is what it should look like. Let's brainstorm names. I can give you all the suppliers. It'll be really cool. And so I sat down. I think I was 18 at the time. I was like, yeah, cool. Epic. I'm going to have a business. And bought all the stuff, imported all the packaging, got all these contacts and got this incredible marketing done. And then like, just went back to uni. Like I, I just kind of, <laughs> I have no idea what I was thinking at the time. I just obviously was not ready to start a business and mm. then just decided I didn't want to actually do that. And I'd rather go back to uni and go traveling. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, and totally because we and like now that you're in the startup world for your own business, you know, kind of what's involved, and like you probably wouldn't have been able to have all that like freedom and travel, and like you know, you, I think we all need to do our years as broke uni students, just you know, hopping around <laughs> on people's couches. Like we all need to have that experience in our world. <laughs> yes, definitely. So yeah, super good learning curve for me uh, on how to set up a business really, really well. Yeah, <laughs> like you have all the really good ideas, then it comes to actually selling to people. You're like, uh, actually, uni's looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I went. So we've touched on hypergrowth a few times already in this conversation. And there's probably a few listeners, maybe more than a few that are like, okay, hypergrowth sounds awesome. Sounds fun. It sounds like growing fast. <laughs> but what does it actually mean? So do you just want to tell us, give us a bit of an overview about what hypergrowth is and, and how maybe even how you've seen it play out in companies in the past? Yeah, for sure. There are so many different definitions of what hypergrowth are. So, you know, some people say if your revenue in the next year is 40% higher than it was the year before, you're in hypergrowth. But we all know, like, you know, for startups and small businesses that are growing, that's actually pretty achievable and you can do that pretty quickly. So it differs from where you are, but it is really just that growing exponentially. And so I think putting a definition on it, I don't think personally you can put a solid figure on what hypergrowth means. But I think for every business, it will look different. And it's just kind of catapulting yourself into a space and growing probably faster than you ever imagined you could mm. um, is the way that I would describe it to people. So, you know, you set those big, lofty, audacious goals and you're hitting every single one of them and you're growing so quickly. Mm. But it does definitely come with its pain points as well. Yeah, exactly. Because like, and you know, you see it all the time. I see it all the time. We're having conversations like this on a weekly and daily basis with with clients and and startups. You know, everybody wants to grow so fast. Like everybody's like, okay, I've started my business. Now, how do I scale it? You know, two months in, they're you know they want to hit the first hundred k in the first year of business. They want to, you know, in three years time be financially free. Like they all want fast growth, right? They all want hyper growth. It's very sexy. That's a very sexy concept. And you know, I of course have been guilty in the past of being of wanting to be further along than I am, much sooner than I probably had earned or deserved at the time, um, just with the work that I was putting in and, and the level of skills and knowledge I'd actually accumulated in order to grow the business. Talk to me about some of the companies you've worked with, how you've seen hypergrowth play out, both maybe good and maybe more challenging. Yes, definitely. More challenging is a great way to describe it. And I think in this day and age, I think hypergrowth has changed so much, even in the last 12 months. Because if you think about what growth used to look like, you used to have a store. And it was a limited space or a warehouse. And you had this confined space that you were in. And in order to grow, you needed to invest a significant amount of money to be able to grow as well. Now, when we're talking about online courses and service-based businesses, there's not those restrictions. So we're seeing these periods of growth and hustle and everyone's catapulting into these new spaces with ease. 
So mm. it is a little bit different for a service-based business, but definitely looking back, hyper growth has definitely been an attribute of all of the businesses, actually, even the corporate ones that I've been part of. And probably what attracted me to them in the first place was this fast pace, always on pushing every boundary, setting ridiculous goals and achieving them as well, like always just pushing. And so they create this phenomenal culture, especially UFoods was probably one of my favorite where everyone there was treating that business as if it was their own. And mm. everyone there was just pushing to achieve these things that looking back, like God, and even at the time, some of the things that we set out to do, they felt impossible because they probably should have been. <laughs> but you know, we just gave it our all to push it and to get those done. And I think the biggest failure across any of those companies looking back is when you're growing that fast and you're so focused on growth, the thing that always falls apart is your foundations. So you may have the foundation set for a business that has 10 people, but when you add on 90 staff and you're only focused on adding on an extra million dollars in revenue, you've still got that infrastructure for 10 people for most businesses because you're not focused on investing in there. All you're focused on is marketing and bringing in new dollars and everything that's exciting and shiny and not really focusing on those foundations that you actually need to grow properly. Mm, yeah. And that's what we end up getting like a lot of middle management, right? In some mm. of these executive companies, because they're like, oh, well, I, I've heard this before. On, oh, I think it might have even been a chat with you. I was having off air at some point, Alicia. We were like, you know, there ends up being a middle manager for every like five to six people. So all of a sudden you have like 40 middle managers and then all these other staff members below them. And you have like a couple of C-suite executives and then the CEO. And But none of those middle managers have been trained in middle management. They've just been thrown into roles. There's no support. There's no structure. There's no upskilling. And you probably find, you know, in those hypergrowth phases that retention of staff members of those foundations aren't solid. It could be quite tricky. I don't know if that was something that you saw. But what were some of the challenges in that foundational level that I guess what's most likely to go wrong in hypergrowth? Things that go wrong, definitely. Like if you don't have those foundations, like even down to you don't have the proper place to store your documents and people don't know where they are. They're stored on someone's computer who was there to start off with. And then that person leaves and everything is on their actual physical computer instead of being in a proper place to be stored. Like that is just so basic and foundational, but it happens every single time. And you know, I think the most exciting part of being part of these businesses myself was that we often got to clean everything up. Like we came in and saw this explosion and this growth and were part of that. But then at the same time, also balancing that and thinking, this is not sustainable. You are not set up to scale right now. And looking at those goals that you're setting yourself for the next 12 months, if we don't fix this, your entire business is going to crumble. So it's those foundations are the most important thing. The other thing that goes wrong is when they are investing so much money into growth and hiring all these people and adding them on, you get that surplus, which we talked about in like, you know, if you're hiring really quickly, perhaps you're not really thinking about what your business truly needs. You're just trying to keep your head above water mm. and also not thinking about whether this is sustainable growth. You know, in three months' time, is the demand still going to be there? If you put on 10 extra staff, 10 extra marketing staff to just get out the work that you need now, and then in three months, the demand for your product or your service drops, you've still got these huge overheads. How do you cope with that? So there's another one. And I guess the last one that we saw all the time is the cost of growth. And people often don't anticipate that. But if you're growing and you're like, cool, I want to add an extra 200 people to my course. Well, epic, cool. But what's the cost of that? Because sometimes it's actually more profitable to stay where you are with the level that you're at 
rather than, you know, bringing on an extra three coaches, an extra 10 people in the back end to be able to service all these people and their requirements. Sometimes that profit margin gets eaten so quickly because again, you haven't set yourself up to scale and for things to be automated. You're relying on actual people coming into your business to do that next level of work. Oh, thank you for that. (laughs) Because the last one is where I'm going to segue. So it's like you knew. It's like we planned it. It actually, we didn't plan it. It's so good. Because that last section that you just said, what is the true cost? And we're not talking necessarily financially, but that too, for sure. And profitability. But that was exactly what happened to me in my business, House of Poppy, when my first business, we grew exponentially in 18 months. You know, we grew from me running all the workshops to having 14 people. You know, we had eight events on every single weekend. We had multiple locations. We had multiple people out. We had, uh, you know, a contractor team of 30 that we were rostering, management team. And it was just huge. It was huge. And as it was every weekend, I started off being every weekend out meeting people, being with my clients, hanging out with them, loving spending time with them. And that was why I created the business to sitting on my own on a laptop at home every weekend and looking at the profit and loss going, but I'm I'm making more, like a lot more, substantially more money, but I'm walking away with like 80 grand in pocket and I'm making all this money, but I could have all this stress <laughs> and I'm not even enjoying it. And I'm walking away with a wage that I could get in a corporate job for sitting around and spending way too much time in the water cooler. So... <laughs> You were so right. What we did, and eventually, was we we broke it. We we took it back to, you know, one workshop a weekend, and so that it became more profitable again. Because it was crazy that all that scale, all that growth, we you know we never considered profitability, and that was definitely the cost of growing. But what I wanted to segue into was goals, because I think that people don't consider their personal goals when they're thinking about hyper growth. I think that often they're thinking about hyper growth and thinking about how great it's going to be, make all that money, and probably like. If you're honest, guys, for listeners that are listening, there is that ego. There's that ego in there that's like, oh, it would feel so good. Like whoever you're trying to prove it to, whoever you're trying to show, like it would feel so good to be like well-known or to be a household name or for people to like everywhere to know that you succeeded, right? But talk to me about the cost of hypergrowth and how like you really have to be in alignment with your goals in order to make decisions to grow your business. Mm. And we've had this conversation, I feel like, with clients in PMP and CEO society. Like you and I have sat down with people on this exact topic because people are like, oh, I want to grow. I want a million dollar business. I want all the things. I want a huge team. I want an office space. And my question to all of them, and I know you have the exact same conversations with them, is why? Why, why do you want an office space? Like, why, why do you want more team? Why do you want this goal that you've set for yourself? And a lot of the time, people actually can't answer that for you. They're like, oh, um, because it'd be cool. Like, I'm sick of working in my bedroom. Like, cool. Okay, great. If that's like, you know, something that your heart is so on, we can set that up. That can be a thing. But a lot of the time, they don't have an answer for it. And then if you're thinking back to those personal goals, how your business will change with that growth as well. So cool. Okay, you want a million dollar business. No worries. There are so many strategies and so many tools and levers we can pull to get you there. But what is... The cost is a great way to describe it. What is the cost of running that million-dollar business? Because to have a million-dollar business, you're going to have a hell of a lot of clients. You're going to have a pretty big team in most scenarios. Your role itself is going to completely change. Mm. So if you are coaching one-on-one right now, or you're a photographer, or you're someone in a service-based business, like doing kinesiology, whatever it is, you're loving doing what you're doing right now. As you grow, as you add on team members, you are then instantly a manager. And if you're not a great manager and you don't look after your team, 
they will leave you and you'll be back to square one. So you need to step into this new role, these new shoes, and everything in your world can changes. And sitting down with some clients chatting about this, like if you're a photographer, do you really want to be managing people and never taking a photo again? Probably mm. not. So the cost of growth, you've got to zoom out and got to think about, well, what does that business actually look like? And you know, there's plenty of people that have grown a business and still wanted to stay doing what they're doing, doing their trade, being like Steph yourself, you still coach within the program, but you've made space for that. And you've thought about that intentionally and created an infrastructure that really supports that. Because if you don't think about it, you just won't have time. Like if you didn't purposely carve out time for you to still work in your business, all you'd be doing is working on it. Mm. And if that, something that we hear a lot, Alicia, is a lot of people like come to us and they say they want a franchise or they want to have like an Australia wide or they want to be international. Like, and Heck yes, sis. Heck yes. 100%. Like do that damn thing if that is what's on your heart, for sure. But often they don't think about... And I didn't think about it. Like I had it with House of Hobby as well. Like it was such a franchisable model. And I even had conversations with franchisees and we were thinking about licensing the business. And you know, we had all those conversations. And then I realized just how much travel I'd had to be doing. Like mm. not, It never really became clear to me. Actually, one of my business coaches at the time said to me, have you considered the cost? of franchising this business, not just financially, but you're going to spend a lot of time away, especially if you want to go international, like the time difference, the travel, are you going to want to be away from Tim and your dogs and your kids? And like, do you want that for your business? And I was like, well, no. And so the thought of franchising, the thought of going national, the thought of going international suddenly became completely unappealing. And it actually stopped me dead in my tracks. I was like, well, then what do I want? <laughs> and I think that's why it's so important to goal set because otherwise you end up creating a business that you hate. And we have seen that so many times in CEO society, in PMP, like just people growing businesses that are like, wow, this is not what I thought this would look like. This is what I always wanted, but shit, this is hard. <laughs> or, oh my God, this is way harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. And those lifestyle goals, you know, you've touched on this in a couple of episodes now, but really thinking about what do you want your life to look like? Like if you still want to be able to pick up your kids or have a Friday off or or do all of those things that are the reasons that you started your business in the first place for time, freedom and flexibility, the bigger you grow, the harder it is to hang on to those things. So, you know, yeah, you might get an extra 20K epic, but if it means you are forced to work 90 hours a week or pay someone to take that extra load off from those extra clients, then one, your profit margin is going to go or your time is going to go. And the the only two things that go. So growth is phenomenal and growth is exciting and it's all of the things, but you've just got to really think about like, do I I really want this? Like me personally in my life and aligning with my goals and my lifestyle choices, do I want that kind of growth? Yeah. And I think just questioning that at every level. You know, mm, like nice. every new goal that you hit, like, cool, what's next? And then just double checking on that that next goal that you set. Like, is this for me or is this just what I'm expected to do? Yeah. Because that's what the, everyone else in my industry does. Or like, is there another way that I can carve this path for myself? You know? Yeah. And it's not a bad thing to stay at a level either. Like if you've hit your financial goals, you are so happy with the money that's dripping into your account. Your clients are epic. You've got really good ways to bring in new clients and kind of to keep that level sustained. No one says you have to get bigger. Mm. Amen. Oh, totally. And also, like, it just comes and goes. Like, sometimes I just feel like, I mean, humans, we're wired. We're naturally wired for growth. You know, that's why, you know, technology grows so fast. That's why, you know, our society is growing so quickly. You know, it's kind of why we've come out of the dark ages and into the technology age and, you know, 30 years. Like, it's it's incredible what, what we can achieve. And I think we are naturally wired for growth. But that doesn't mean you need to be growing all the time. 
Like sometimes you just need to enjoy the season you're in. And sometimes that means just pushing pause, just enjoying it, just letting things settle out. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I did last year was just stop for a second and mm-hmm. let it level out and enjoy it for a moment. And then the drive came back to hustle again. And there it was. So I think I love that. Like you can totally take your foot off the gas. So talk to me, if you were planning for hypergrowth, what kinds of things would you be encouraging people to look at? Yeah, cool. So now you know all the things that I guess are the downsides of hypergrowth and things to be aware of. You know, eyes wide open. We always want you to look at both sides of the story and come in feeling like you understand what you're taking on because it is exciting and it's really fun. And Steph and I have both been through this and it's if you're into growth and you're into craziness and hustle and all the things, it's really, really, really fun. So fun. Oh, it's, and rewarding as well. Like, you know, watching something grow so quickly, but the thing that you want is sustained growth. So, you know, you don't just want to go and go and go and go and go and burn out. And I know you are doing an episode on this very shortly because that is the most important thing to consider is you before you grow. Then when you're growing, if you want to grow fast, there are a couple of things that you really need to look at. The first one is, of course, we've touched on it before, but your foundations. And by foundations, there is a phenomenal book that Steph actually recommended to me called Systemology, which is a really good book. But what you're trying to look at there is what can I automate? What can I simplify? And what can I delegate or outsource? So looking at those core functions of your business, you know, things that you are doing all day, every day, they should not be done by a person. There are so many tools like zaps and automations that you can bring in to do a vast majority of things that are repetitive, or you can outsource and get a VA. So having that, I guess, admin side of your business running really smoothly and a plan for what that growth looks like. You know, with our business, I always know, okay, if I add on one extra client, where does that workload go? And if I add on 10 extra clients, where's that going to go? Because the service that we offer these clients cannot drop. It's just, it's a non-negotiable for us because the quality of, of course, our output, but the quality that they receive is something that we're just not not happy to compromise on. So understanding where that goes, automating as much as you can. And then to really tap into that growth lever, the thing that I've seen throughout every business, and of course, the businesses that we chat to within PMP and CEO Society as well, the ones that succeed do two things. They are so passionate about their customers. They love their customers. Their entire business is built around solving a problem and helping their customers. And they just all day, every day would do it for free. The, everything they do, everything they build and everything they sort of start to think about is all around what that customer needs. And the second thing they do is they look after their staff. So the second they get a staff member, they are their whole world. They invest in their training. They really look after them. They bring them on the journey and they do all of the things to make sure that that staff member absolutely loves what they do. They're invested, they're bought in and they as well want to grow this business as quickly as they can. They want to give their all and really support that business to the next stage of growth. Mm. And I love that team number one because you know that like we are huge on that in our company. (laughs) But I do think that that is what we have seen and the conversations we hear so often People just getting mistreated at work and not feeling rewarded and not feeling good. And I really think that like when Alicia and I were talking about what topic we were going to discuss on this podcast today, the other topic that we were throwing up and guys, if you want us to do it, let us know, give us some love on the, uh, on the DMs and let us know if you'd be down for it. But was a conversation on culture because so often people just bring on employees like they're filling. Like they're, you know, like, oh, I'm so busy right now. I just need another me to come into the business and just do the workload. Almost just like, 
it's like a delegation. It's just a delegation of work rather than I'm going to bring this person on who's going to have not only the skill sets that I need them to have, but also maybe some skill sets that I don't have, some of the maybe things that I'm weakest in (laughs) and I get them to help me to grow this business. And together, we will use our brains and our knowledge and our combined intelligence to catapult this business forward. But more often than not, it's the first one. I just need to get work off my plate. This person's going to come. And when they don't do the work properly, I'm going to get frustrated and yell at them. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that is where culture goes wrong so often. So I love that that is one of the things that you mentioned for hypergrowth, like getting really right from the beginning is that team culture and, and how do we look at and reward our staff. Yeah, the right people will take you to phenomenal places. Like it, mm-hmm. it is just so, so, so important to that growth. And I think the other thing that I didn't mention, but is also like that lever that you can pull on is thinking about where these customers of yours that you love, that you're really helping, where are they hanging out? And and not just like, oh, maybe they'd be in this Facebook group. Because no, when we're growing and we're attracting so many people, like more people than you could ever imagine, you have to get really strategic with this. You have to really sit down and think about like, Build out that persona. And within PMP, we call it your ideal client, but build out exactly who that person is, what they look like, down to literally what they're afraid of in their lives. And then step into their shoes and think about where they are and how you can reach them and how you can connect with them and what they need from you. Because often they don't know what they need until you tell them. So you've got to, you know, of course, have your marketing switched on properly. You've got to use the right messaging, but you've also got to be in the right place. And then once they've got it, you've got to make it really, really easy for them to tell other people about it. Because that is one of the easiest ways to grow is word of mouth referrals. Like I'm sure all of you will follow influential people on Instagram and you'll be like, oh, hey, what's that product? And of course, most of that is paid. But if you can get that organically, like mums groups, all chatting about how much they love you and your business. And then they're like, tell their other friend and their other family member. If you make it easy for people to do that, then your growth just happens organically. And that's easy. Of course, you can pay for everything. But organic growth is the one that everybody wants to tap into. And it just helps you get to that next level as well. Mm. And I think that that kind of circles back to what you said earlier about... You said it for your own business, that the quality of work that you output and the quality of connection that you have with your clients and conversations that you have with your clients, you refuse to let that drop. And probably if we look at a lot of businesses that go into hypergrowth, that is one thing that tends to drop. The ball tends to drop often on, we're just chasing you know, the next sale, the next thing, the next client, the next marketing. And I think we've all been part of, guys, I don't know about you, but I've been part of coaching courses and masterminds and things where the sales and the marketing were so good. And then I got in and I was like, oh, this is it. You know, because they hadn't focused on client journey. They hadn't focused on customer journey. They were so focused on putting all their energy into the sales and marketing bucket. They weren't focusing on the delivery piece. And that delivery piece is actually your moneymaker. Like not only physically making you money because those people are literally paying your bills, but also because those people are going to tell everybody about you, which is why our PMP mastermind grows so quickly because everybody talks about it. Thanks guys. We love you. (laughs) Um, But you know, it's true because people are talking about it because we put all of our energy into making sure that that, Alicia and I have a two and a half hour call every single week, just looking at how we can make it better, how we can get our clients better results, how we can focus on getting the best next guest presenter in, how we can focus on making sure that our high rollers get catered to the way they deserve to. Like We spend literally two and a half hours every single week just on like program optimization and just making sure it's incredible for our clients. So that 
is your moneymaker. Like if you can service your clients at that level and Alicia, I know you do that so well in your business, which is why I wanted to ask you this question. What are you doing in your business to ensure scalability and hyper growth? Because I know that you're pretty much fully booked. And guys, for those of you who don't know, Alicia obviously runs TPC Studios for podcast management. She also has a few other things on the go as well um, as a new coaching program for podcasts that are just getting started up. So what are you doing at the moment to ensure that scalability and hyper growth? I think for us, like we have just launched our first beta round as we're recording this, which is super exciting for the course. Um, starting a course was always part of what we wanted to do. Like when I started this business, I was knew that we weren't going to be able to help everyone because that was not the type of business that I wanted to grow. I wanted to help phenomenal podcasts come to life, but I still wanted to help everybody who was like, oh yeah, I'd love a podcast, but it's not going to be my main source of marketing and my revenue maker. Like, you know, the, the people that we work with, they're using their podcast as lead generators and they're using it to really, really ramp up their marketing. But not everybody wants that. Some people just want to really want to start a pod and maybe they'll grow into that tool, but it wasn't something that they set out with at the start. So I knew we always wanted to do a course, but I also knew that was going to take a hell of a lot of time and energy. And if I focused on that from day one, I wasn't going to be able to build the foundations that the business needed for all of those other clients that are my, my, I guess, high ticket clients. So what we did is I was like, cool, okay, I know I want to do that. That's a great goal to have for the future. But for now, the most important thing for my business is to walk the walk and to get all of our foundations right and to get all of the systems and the automations so that that's still running fluidly and it's working and we're getting results and we're getting people on the top charts and they've got you know their strategy and all of that is happening. And once that was running and rolling, I was like, okay, okay, I think we can maybe step back and start to look at the course now. And it, it was quite funny with, and Steph knows this, with the course, I was like, oh yeah, this would be cool. And I jumped on the phone with someone who wanted to work with us. We couldn't fit them in. I was like, oh yeah, but mm, I'm thinking about doing this course. And they're like, cool, I'm in. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Elisa voice dropped me and was like, so I just accidentally sold someone into my beta round. So it looks like I'm building a course. <laughs> so it was very accidental, but the timing, I knew it was right. Like I would have said no. And that's the biggest thing is that with the business, because I want it to succeed and I want it to be here for a long time, I couldn't compromise starting and diverting my attention to that course earlier than what I have now. Um, even though I would have loved to 100 times over and it took a lot of discipline to pull myself back from that, I knew that I couldn't do it for the business. So foundations is important. The other thing that we're doing to really set up for scalability is making sure we have the right people, but I also know their capacity limits. So all of my team, a lot of them are based overseas and they are phenomenal at what they do. But I check in with them every week and I ask them, you know, what's going on in your life? How are you? Do you have any leave coming up? Do you need some time off? How are you feeling with our workload? Do you think we need to bring someone else on? Because they are experts and they are managing their own calendars and all the things they're doing. But I also check in with them and I, I have my own read on when we're going to need some more people and add some more people to the team. But really always checking in with everyone and where they're at with their workload because the last thing I want is for any of our team to burn out either. Mm, mm. And I think one of the things I love about the way that... First of all, actually touching on discipline. Mm. So important, right? Yeah. It's hard. And how, 
it's so hard because we see it all the time is that, of course, like you could make the course right now. Of course, you could build a course right now. But if you don't have those foundations, and I, I've said this so many times about PMP, like I did PMP, it was master of one. I just did it hardcore for like almost, it was almost two years of just PMP. So everyone was like, do you do one-to-one? Are you doing a low-level course? Do you have something after PMP? Are you doing something for millionaires? Like, can you do more events? Are you doing a podcast? Like it was just constant. Like there was constant, so many ways guys to make money and service people. Like so many ways that I had to have discipline because I knew that whatever I did next, I needed PMP to be running at a level where I didn't need my hands holding it all the time. I needed it to run. And like Alicia mentioned before, I love coaching in that program and I always will because coaching is what I do and it's what I prioritize. But at the same time, like you need to have that discipline to know that it's a not right now thing. Alicia and I, I've said this before, I think in my intro episode, actually, Alicia joined our team end of last year. And I was like, cool, I think I want to do a podcast. And we were supposed to launch in like November mm-hmm. and then the 11th of December and then the 20th of December. And then we're like, we'll do it so that it's over the Christmas break. And then January came and then February came. And then we finally launched because it wasn't the right time. And you have to have that discipline to know when it's the right time for your business and when you have capacity or when your team have capacity to be able to handle that. So thank you for sharing that. I love that so much. And I think a podcast is a perfect example, like relating that back to the business as well. Like for a podcast to be successful and not like, okay, cool. You could start a podcast tomorrow, but to be sustainable and to keep it as something that is fun and that you love and is something that is going to continue to drop in people's ears week on week, there's a hell of a lot of preparation that needs to come along. And that's a, in our instance and, and all everyone that we coach is always batch recording. So making sure that you have a buffer so that if life happens or a guest cancels or something gets in the way, it's not like, oh, oh my God, I really don't feel like recording and I have to record and I don't want to. And then you put out shitty quality or you don't put it out at all. And that's the same going back to your business. Yeah, of course. Of course, you can do whatever you want. But what's it going to look like? Mm-hmm. And what's your business going to look like? And what's your offering going to look like mm-hmm. if you do it right now? Because yeah, I, we could have launched that course age ago. Yeah, you could have launched CEO Society two years ago too. Yeah. But it wouldn't be the same as it is now. Yeah, it's so crazy. And it's so important to just know what your capacity is for sure. So something that I did want to ask you about, and, and I guess draw the listener's attention to today is something that massively inspires me about you. And I was in DM conversation recently with another podcast manager who was really struggling to get fully booked, really struggling you know, with her pricing and her packaging. And I was like, wow, like Alicia's been in business for, I don't know, how long have you actually been really pushing TBC? Six months. Yeah. And guys, I don't know, like go check Alicia out, but like Alicia's company charges, like it's the upper end of what podcast management companies charge because they're fucking phenomenal guys. Excuse the F words, but they are like incredible. Alicia told me that my podcast would be a chart topper and it was within its first 10 days or I think even within its first few days. Mm -hmm. So like she walks the walk, she knows her shit. That's why they charge what they charge. It's definitely not the cheapest. It's definitely in the upper end. As a startup, going in at startup phase, most people undercharge. I just wanted to touch on how you had the balls and, and what it looked like to go in and be like, mm, no, we're going to go in on the upper end and and get fully booked within six months. I think it's so funny because it's all about perspective. Like my background in the corporate world, like the invoices I signed off on, like the amount of money we used to pay people was obscene. Like I looked at some of these retainers coming across my desk and I was like, 
<laughs> excuse me, like I could have done that in five minutes and I'm paying you $500 for something that I could have done. So being exposed to the corporate world and seeing what people are willing to pay on marketing definitely helped me to be able to price where I did. Uh, and I guess really understand that for the bulk of our target audience, it is those big brands, big brands that want big impact and they're happy to pay for those results. And I think as well, um, so when you compare us to other marketing spends, within big companies, we're actually on the really low end. So mm. although I feel like it's really big, I could probably charge three times what we do mm. and we'd still get the job. So that's something I'm working through. It's just on a different scale. But I guess coming back and having a look at our pricing and where it sits, the reason why I charged where I did in the first place is because I understood the value of what we were offering. Like the amount of time we were taking off people, like the fact that I personally have worked with Apple in the past... Apple is the people that promote the podcast. So I know their rules. I know their guidelines. I know how to work their systems because I've done it all before. So having that insider knowledge is something that definitely gives us a leg up. And of course, if you if you want those results and you want that strategy, like again, personally, like just, just my own experience, I've got a background in marketing, a background in project management, background in psychology and strategy. And that's just me. And then you add on these world-class audio engineers. Like we are offering a premium product. We're not just offering podcast editing. And I say this all the time to any new clients. Anyone can edit a podcast. If you want strategy and you want results, you need to have the right people in your corner. And I knew that we were building a team that was that right people in the corner. So I just knew that we were going to get results. And then we did. And I think it was that proven results as well. Like looking back, we had three out of three podcasts that got on the top charts. If that hadn't happened, I'd probably be like, "Eh," a little bit less self-assure of what we were delivering. But when it happened for those three, and then it happened for the next one, and the next one, I was like, oh, okay, we know what we're doing. You're like, actually, we're really good at this. So, <laughs> it's just um, having a system. Yeah, for sure. 100%. It's a system that works, a system that generates your clients' results. And we talk about that all the time. And this is the power, guys, of having an ideal target market. Like Alicia knew her target market had money. She was not just going for them because they have money, but because she truly understands them because she's worked in them. She's worked with them. She's worked for them. She actually has connections with them. And so it was an easy target for her to go after. I chose small business owners because when I first started business coaching, because I knew it intimately because I'd just done it and I needed someone to business coach me. So I chose it because I knew it intimately. Like choose a target market that you know or an ideal client that you know intimately and that you actually can pull those levers to get results. You touched on one thing just before Alicia and I loved it so much. Uh, you mentioned about the budgets that they have. And I just wanted... Alicia and I had a conversation off air the other week. And we were just talking in, in a chat. And she was like, I just found out. I can't remember. The billboard? Yeah, the billboard. 50 grand for the billboard. Guys, people are paying $50,000 for a billboard and you can't even measure ROI. Nope. No. And so when I heard that, like as I was chatting, a lot of my friends are still in the corporate world. A lot of my friends are in startups still. And even startups, the amount of money, like you just look at some of these huge companies and the amount that they're spending, even just on partnerships, like... Uh, okay, charging what we charge is not a big deal at all. And mm. I think it was realizing that and realizing what they were happy to spend. And I go, okay, we need to play in this space because this is where I want to be. So, so, so good. You are such an inspiration. Just tell the listeners about your beta course. I'm sure by the time this goes to air, you'll probably be fully booked and sold out for that beta course. But tell us about what they can expect from you in the future. Yeah, yes. So we are already fully booked and sold out for beta round. So sauce guys, but it will have well truly started by the time you hear this as well. But it is... So what we're teaching in the podcast course is all of the background, all of our insider tips, tricks, knowledge, like everything that we do within TBC Studios, we are 
giving it all away in this course because I am so passionate about people doing this. And of course, like you need to invest in this. You really need to do the work to get the results. It's not like you sign up for this course and you're going to be on the charts. Um, we're actually going to do a separate course on how to get on the charts because it's just too much to cover in this, mm. this essential one. But we're going to teach you everything that you need to know. You get all our tools, all our templates, everything that you need to make podcasting easy and fun and sustainable. But it is something that, as I say, you really need to do the work to get the results. So instead of spending six months researching and getting on Google and trying to figure out what microphone goes where and how to record and can I use Zoom, we've made all the mistakes. I think our very first podcast episode that we ever recorded was one microphone in the middle of a classroom with three people. People still listened. (laughs) <laughs> it was awful and it did not sound professional. So we've gone through all the mistakes. Our audio engineers actually teach a lot of the content themselves as well. And we have some epic guest presenters who are going to be coming on for the next few courses to teach you just the things that uh, we love and we get experts in for us. So things like copywriting and really making the most out of leveraging your audience. And yeah, it's, it's all going to be coming to you soon. So if you are interested in it, we will have a wait list that you can definitely sign up for for when we officially launch. So good. And guys, I can totally vouch for the templates and the things, like things I didn't even think about. Just like script templates, invite templates, how to reach out to somebody, ask them to be on your podcast, like things you have to have set up before you get on the podcast, like stuff that I just had no idea about. I was like, I'll just turn on Zoom and we'll go. It'll be good to go. Mm -hmm. And I just realized how naive I really was about starting the podcast when I started working with Alicia. So I can totally vouch for that. Guys, I hope you loved today's episode. Alicia, thank you so much for chatting with me about hypergrowth and all the reasons why it's incredible and all the reasons why it can be super challenging and what people need to keep in mind before you know channeling straight into hypergrowth. Where can they find you? So underscores are a theme. You've got one. I've got one. It's Alicia Chapman underscore. And then our business is over at tbc.studios. So good. Thank you so much for jumping on the mic with me today. It was so nice to riff with you here. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. My personal mission is to help women just like you to grow their business and give you the advice and insights you need to make your business go boom. And as part of my commitment to that mission, I have created a mini course called the Boom Your Biz mini course, and I want to offer it to you completely for free. So in this three-part mini course, you're going to learn how to identify and attract the perfect clients that you actually love to work with. You'll learn an easy and effective way to build your core offer and increase the amount of people that actually take you up on that offer and how to generate endless high quality leads absolutely free. Included in this free mini course is exclusive training. I give you templates and processes that you can follow and implement in your business right now to start seeing results straight away. The value of this mini course, guys, is $497, but I'm giving it to you completely for free. So if you're ready to level up and take action, use the link in my show notes to download this mini course. I'll see you next episode.